Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, online campus. Glad you're with us. You guys, um, I am so glad you're here today. I'm Shelly. I'm the creative arts pastor. And as such, sometimes it falls to me to uh, draw attention to things that sometimes might go unnoticed and things like that. And I don't have a problem with that. That's part of my job. And so today is one of those days um, because I don't know if you know today is National Kazoo Day. Yes. I mean, happy National Kazoo Day. Happy. So I am so, I, I am sure that churches all over the country are celebrating with us this morning. I know that they are. And listen, let me make sure I got, whoop, okay. Um, uh, now I wish I could do an Oprah thing. I really do. Um, but I, I can't do an Oprah thing, but 18 lucky people today scattered in the chair racks in front of you right now. 18 lucky people are getting ready to find a brand new pristine kazoo. Look around in the chair racks. Everybody look in the chair racks. You got one? Hold up if you got one. Anybody? 18 lucky people. 18 lucky people. Oh, Kim got one. Listen, now if it's been a while, I'm so sorry online. You will just have to hum to yourself. If it's been a while, don't blow into it. You got to hum into it, okay, to make the noise. But you got them, 18. Yeah, go ahead and give them a try. Go ahead and give them a try if you want. Yes. Now you can celebrate. Celebrate when you get home. Better yet, celebrate in the car on your way home. <laughs> Won't that be fun? Oh. Okay, <clears throat> seriously though. If your loved one is taking home a brand new kazoo today and that causes you some distress, email joel at communitychristianchurch.com. That is J-O-E-L. Okay. All right. Thank you. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is what a great, what a great day to celebrate. Okay. Yeah. We are continuing our series of How Not to Read the Bible. It's based on a book, How Not to Read the Bible, by Dan Kimball. And if you have not picked up a copy of this book, you guys, try it out. There is even an audio version on Hoopla if you use that app. So it's a great book. It tackles some of these tough conversations we have around the Bible and about the Bible. And today's message is... Jesus on a Dinosaur, which is all about the Bible and science, and those are two of my very favorite things to talk about. Now, before we go any further, are we good? All right. Um, Let's just take a minute and pray, okay? Father, thank you for being you, the all-powerful creator, the God who made us the God who saves us, the God who loves us, and the God who probably enjoys National Kazoo Day. Oh, we love you, Father, and I just pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds and help us to hear from you today. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right. Well, throughout this series, you've heard us say, and you will hear us say, we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God and the source for how we live our everyday lives. We believe it was written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that makes it truth. We love the Bible here at Community. It is super important to us. But what about science? The Bible and science. Nobody ever has issues with those, right? I mean, like it never, it never causes any kind of arguments or controversy, right? Nothing there. I'm sorry, is the sarcasm coming through clear enough? You know? Okay, listen. A lot of people struggle with trying to, like, science and faith and those two things. And that, that struggle, those arguments, usually starts on the very first page in the very first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Some of the most beautiful words ever written. And we argue over them. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all. It kind of makes me want to cry. So if you don't know, if you haven't heard... I don't know, here are some of the things that people tend to argue over. This is not a complete exhaustive list. This is just, this is just a few, you probably heard. Um, length of creation, was it six 24-hour days? Age of the earth, is it young, is it old? The earth and the sun and the sequence of that creation. Creation versus evolution, do I have to choose? Dinosaurs, if animals and humans were created on the same day, did Jesus ride a dinosaur? Hence the title, Jesus on a Dinosaur. And yes. <laughs> now look, I know. I think people would have paid more attention. But listen, I know that this looks ridiculous. I know it seems ridiculous. But y'all, people are having these conversations and these arguments all around us. And we need to be able to talk about these hard things thoughtfully and compassionately. So here's the good news. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to understand everything. We don't even have to win an argument. Let me say that one again. We don't have to win an argument. Now let's talk about arguing for a second. Because that is often where these, what these conversations turn into. Arguments. You know it, I know it. Come on. These turn into arguments. So in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he wrote... He wrote some letters to Timothy, and Timothy was a young pastor who was leading one of the early churches in this church. They tended to argue over almost everything, and Paul encouraged Timothy to remember and to remind them that Jesus 
was the main point. Jesus was supposed to be their focus. He said, remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. He goes on to say, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. We need to remember that needing to be right and having to win an argument can take us completely away from the most important thing, which is Jesus. Now, I don't know if you can read my shirt, but it says, can I get an amen? amen. Okay, Jesus is the focus. And today, we're going to look at a couple of tools that we can use when having these difficult conversations. I am not going to try to convince anyone of any certain viewpoint. I, I hate to tell you, if you came here looking for a debate, I'm sorry. There will be no debates today, all right? We are just finding ways to talk about this. How does that sound? Good? Well, that's what we're doing. So now, now let's look at some of the tools we've been talking about. We have talked about um, never read a verse out of context, right? We don't want to just pluck that verse out and say, this is what this means. We always zoom out and we read the whole story. And then we also want to look, zoom even farther out and look at the context of the bigger story. We've got these charts. If you have not picked up one of these charts, there are a bunch of them on the table in the back and then also out in the lobby. But this, it looks kind of weird, but it is a really nice overview of the whole Bible. So that's, that's one of the tools that we use. And then we also talked about how the Bible isn't just one book. It's a library of books. And this is important for us today because... Do you notice something? Like when we're looking at these shelves, we have law and history and poetry and prophets and gospels and church history. We've got a whole bunch of letters where we're reading other people's mail. And we've got prophecy. But you, guys, you see what we don't have? Science. <laughs> have you ever thought of that? We don't have a science shelf. And sometimes when we try to force one of these other books into trying to be a science book, it can get a little clunky. So that is just something to file away and think about. Something for us to remember. That's another tool. And then another tool we've talked about, and the one we're going to spend the most time with today, is remembering that we are not the original audience. Now, this could, that could be kind of hard to hear, especially since the Bible is so important to us. I mean, we believe it. We learn so much from God's word. God can speak to us through it, but we, and we believe it, but we are not the original audience. So some things are going to land 
a little differently on us. We have very different worldviews and literary styles and mindsets today. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just different. But y'all, we, we experience this kind of dissonance within generations in our own lifetime. Listen, my millennial and Gen Z kids cannot read cursive. They cannot read cursive writing. It is like a secret code to them. Um, they cannot drive a stick shift. So I can write a cursive message to my husband. They'll never know what it says. They can never borrow or steal my car. I'm safe just because I'm old. And also, you know, I mean, they've never, they've never, they've probably put a stamp on an envelope three times in their life. Those are things they just never had to do. It doesn't, but I had to watch a YouTube video to halfway learn how to use Snapchat, and I still get confused when the pictures disappear, okay? Listen, it does not take long for us to get a little disconnected and develop different mindsets. You guys, we understand that, and that's just in our lifetime. So think about something thousands of years ago. We, we kind of need to look at the original audience. Now, it is traditionally thought that Moses wrote, to, wrote Genesis to the ancient Israelites, but I mean, they didn't think they were ancient back then. They were just them, okay? But they wrote to the ancient Israelites after God rescued them from 400 years of captivity in Egypt. It was written thousands of years ago. So if I go into this, reading with my 2024 brain, I might be asking all the wrong questions. What I, what I maybe should think about is, how did Genesis sound to them? Well, I mean, how did they even view the universe back then? Because when we think of the universe today, uh, we generally think about things like, like the solar system, right? We, we talk about the solar system and and black holes, and galaxies, and subspace communications. Okay, I just threw that one in for the nerds. What up? Live long and prosper. Okay, nerds. All right, and, and when we think about the earth, we usually generally think of something kind of like this, right? These are modern viewpoints. These are the way that our world kind of thinks today. But the ancient world saw things very differently. It was more of a, a tiered system. And you guys, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but this is the truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Not only is today National Kazoo today, I found out yesterday, and I can't believe I didn't know this, today is also National Lego Day. <laughs> you know, basically, this is my Christmas. Like, it does not get any better than this. But I wanted to kind of show you this ancient worldview. So I built a Lego model to kind of show us. And, uh, I, and I've got it on the screen, so I, I know you can't really see. I got my little pointer. Okay, and it's going to be on the screen. So here is kind of a glimpse at the tiered system. First, we have the land, okay? This is everything that they could see that they're walking around on, okay? Anything they can put their feet on. That's the grass, the ground, the mountains. This is all the things that they could see. And the land was supported 
underneath the land by pillars. And sometimes you'll hear them called the foundations of the earth. And so these pillars held up the land. And then also underneath the land was the great deep. And it was also called Sheol or the underworld. And this is where spirits went when they died. And, and it was thought that it was full of dark waters. So you've got the land, you've got the underworld, and then there were these other pillars that were holding up the heavens. The heavens was the sky. This was all the things they could see up in the sky. So it would have the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds. And then above the sky was a dome. Now, I can't make a dome out of Lego because they are square. But just imagine if this were a dome, and the dome, above the dome, there was all this water. And they, it was believed that God walked along the top of the dome, and he would open it up to let the water through for it to rain. So this is how the ancients saw the world. This is how they saw the world, and we see that reflected in their language. So when we read in the Psalms about shaking the pillars of the earth, when we hear about the waters of the great deep, when we hear about God opening the skies, that language makes more sense if we know, oh, I see, They're, this is how they see things. And, and it's actually kind of fun as you read the Bible to look for those moments. I'm like, oh, that's that. I get it now. So when Moses was writing to those Israelites who are thinking like this and describing creation, what did they need to hear from God? Not my questions, but what did they need to hear? I really like how author Johnny Miller, um, I love his insight on this. He writes about Moses. He says, were his readers troubled by calculations of the speed of light and the distance of the galaxies from Earth, were they? Were they puzzling over the significance of DNA? Were they debating a young Earth versus an old Earth? Um, I'm going to guess probably not. <laughs> Those are things that I wonder about, but I'm going to guess like they're probably not thinking that. I mean, how could they? They're probably thinking more along the lines of, how are we going to survive in this desert? Are we safe? Will we ever be safe? What about all those Egyptian gods that we left? What about the gods of the lands we're traveling through? Is, is the God who rescued us still with us? Or are we like on our own now? And what, what do we have to do to please this God so we can survive? What happens next? Y'all, we forget Genesis was written to a very real people with very real problems. It was written to people who had been enslaved and surrounded by just so many Egyptian gods and all of this pagan worship for 400 years. Think of how many generations. They desperately needed to know who God was. 
who they were, and that God loved them. And we find those answers in Genesis and throughout the whole Bible. Uh, Listen, in just the book right after Genesis, listen to this interaction in Exodus, because I just think it's, it's beautiful. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren, the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. And he said, oh, Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession And the Lord replied, listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord the awesome power I will display for you. Those people were at the beginning of a new story. And we can argue and debate the ins and outs of creation from biblical and scientific viewpoints, and trust me, there are a lot of them. Explore, learn, study, ask questions, but don't Miss the message behind the whole thing. Because guess what? We still need to know who God is. Who we are. And that God loves us. And we are still asking very similar questions. Like how are we going to survive in this world? How are our kids and grandkids? Like are we safe? Will we ever be safe? What happens next? Same questions. Same God. Um, I don't know if you all remember the uh, evangelist, the preacher, Billy Graham, back in the day. But he had just these beautiful words about science and the Bible. I want want to listen, listen to what he said. He said, oh, I don't think that there's any conflict at all between science today and the scriptures. I think we have misinterpreted the scriptures many times, and we've tried to make the scriptures say things that they weren't meant to say. And I think we have made a mistake by thinking that the Bible is a scientific book. The Bible is not a book of science. The Bible is a book of redemption. Redemption. And I think, yeah, you know, we can debate, we can debate. 
We could debate all day, but you know what I think is probably a more compelling conversation? Your own personal Genesis story. I don't know about you, but I have had um, times in my life where moments where my life felt formless and empty and dark. I have blown up my life with bad choices before. I've seen times when it, it just looked like my family was going to disintegrate. I've had times filled with confusion and misunderstanding and, and chaos and just like not knowing what comes next. And God has brought and brings and will bring me through all of that. And he wastes nothing. And miracle of all miracles, he even somehow manages to create something good and beautiful from all the chaos. It is a miracle. And he fills me with peace that I absolutely cannot manufacture on my own. I am a walking creation story. And if you follow Jesus, you are too. Can we have those conversations? Can we tell those stories? See, I believe science and faith can work beautifully together. I really do. I believe science can reveal some of God's character. We see so many things in nature that I think Show his love of beauty and symmetry and balance and order. And I think, oh, what a beautiful God. What a beautiful God. And, and look at some of the things that people do with numbers. Number, like, I don't even know what that is. Like, <laughs> know but it's so cool and people figure this stuff out and they use it to make things and I think wow God loves math he has built it into everything even music I don't know if y'all know this but music is math it's in everything and, and he gave us such curious minds oh he did like we are bent on exploration and discovery, and figuring things out, and I believe that that's a gift from our Father. You know, I read about things like quantum entanglement, where one particle can affect another particle, no matter how far apart they are, or what's in between, and I don't understand it, but it sounds like a miracle to me, and I'm thinking, well, then anything can happen, you know? I don't think that we have to be afraid of science. And I don't think we have to be angry with it either. <laughs> I think it's another way that God gave us to explore and care for his world. I also don't expect science to explain everything. I don't think it can. <laughs> you guys, science changes all the time. We think we know something until we don't. 
okay? Like surgeons, surgeons used to think they didn't need to wash their hands before they operated on people, okay? And then they figured out, oh, a little thing called germ theory. You know, we know, we, we think we know until we don't. And the scientific method starts with a question. All science starts with a question. And that kind of shows that we don't have all the answers. And I am okay with that. I don't need science to explain how Jesus walked on water or multiplied fish and bread to feed thousands because I believe anything is possible for him. I don't need science to explain the resurrection of Jesus to me because I trust him. And I experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life every day. And that is enough for me. So I have a friend who is studying physics at Miami. He is absolutely brilliant. He is a brilliant young scientist, and he is a devoted, committed follower of Jesus. He is a practicing scientist. He is a practicing Christian. And we love talking about stuff like this. And we, we were talking the other day, and I said, you know, I said, I want you to think about this question. I said, many people seem to struggle to reconcile faith and science, but I see you. I see you practicing both. How are you able to hold both of those in your hands simultaneously? And he thought for a couple of days, and then he texted me back, and I asked him, I said, dude, can I quote you? May I quote you? And he said, yes. And I want to close with his answer because it is just so beautiful. This, from this young Christian man who is also practicing and learning physics and science, here's what he said. So after putting a lot of thought in, I realized, I don't think I do reconcile the two. They seek to answer two entirely different questions. Science answers what, and faith answers why. I don't try to use science to prove the Bible, and I don't try to use the Bible to disprove science because they use inherently different systems of reasoning. The whole point of faith is that we can't prove it, and the whole point of science is that you have to be able to prove everything. The Bible even tells us that we can't prove our beliefs and that they look foolish to outsiders. The two live in separate worlds, and it's really hard to prove how they cross over, so I have a very limited amount to work with in reconciling the two. In the end, the way I hold them simultaneously is the same way any Christian lives, through faith. I believe that the randomness we see in the quantum world has a guiding hand behind it. That life as we know was guided by the same. That the Big Bang was arranged particle by particle to shape a good universe. Do I have proof? Nope. And modern scientists would laugh at me for, for making those claims. But isn't that what we're told to expect? To be ridiculed and cast out by the world? In the end... I hold the two simultaneously by just embracing the fact 
the faith, it doesn't make sense from a scientific standpoint and believing it anyway. Yeah. And y'all, I've, I've known this young man since he was this tall. And to see him with his faith intact and growing stronger as he learns more and more about God's world, it is just incredibly encouraging. And in the end, for all of us, doesn't it just come down to faith? Would you pray with me? Father, almighty creator, maker of all things good, we love you, we thank you. We thank you for making us, for saving us, for loving us, for being okay with all of our questions. And we pray that you would soften our hearts I think we would open our minds to hear from you this week and to love others the way that you love them. In Jesus' precious name we pray, yes and amen.